Welcome to our Victory Outreach Boston podcast. We pray you are blessed, encouraged, and challenged with this message. This morning, if we can all stand for a reading of God's word. Glory, hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I'm excited here. Today's the day that the Lord has made, and the Bible says that we must rejoice and be glad in it. So turn to your neighbor and smile and says, this is the day that the Lord has made. Amen. If you turn to 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, we're going to read a portion of scripture and then we're going to go ahead and pray. Hallelujah. 2 Timothy Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. This is the Apostle Paul writing a letter to Timothy. And he writes, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you move me aside this morning. I pray for every heart, every soul that is here, Father, that they won't leave the same. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for who you are in our lives. Speak, Father, this morning in a simple way. We're quick and careful to give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. And all God's people say, amen and amen. Come on, give the Lord a praise. You may take your seat this morning, and I want to thank God for my salvation. It's going to be 14 years now that I've been saved, and God really delivered me, and how many know God is good? He, he, man, if he can deliver me, he's a God of miracles. I remember being lost and bound, hopeless. Man, nobody wanted nothing to do with me, not my own family. Come on, they even had to kick me out of jail. Boom, get out of here, you know? But it was the Lord that touched my heart. It was, it was a day that I accepted Jesus. To, it was January 1st, 2009, when I stepped into a Christian recovery home and I gave my life to Jesus. So I am grateful this morning. I was just reminiscent of God's goodness. And we just came back from Mighty Men of Valor Conference. It's a Christian men's conference. And man, it was powerful. We got family from all over the world. We got men that came not only from the nation, from different countries to gather together to worship the Lord. And it was powerful, powerful time. So we bring greetings from our founders, from our pastor, Sonny Jr., Sister Kim, our, our pastors, amen. It was a good, good time. And I encourage you, whenever we have conferences, men or women's conferences, a good investment into your spiritual life. So don't take these conferences lightly. It, it, it pays high dividends, amen. So when you invest in your spirit, man, I'm going to here to tell you that you'll always be blessed. Because one encounter in the presence of God, all it takes to make you, come on, to get that shift, to get that victory here this morning. So I titled my message, Fighting the Good Fight of Faith. Somebody say, Fighting, Fighting. The, good fight the Good Fight of Faith. You know, when I was a kid, I was born in 85, so that kind of tells you, you know, that kind of tells you the age I am if you do the math. But I remember my earliest recollections. Uh, I'm first generation here. My family's Mexican. I was first one born here. But I remember when I was five, six, seven, eight years old, 10, I remember we're always gathered Saturday nights, all right? And I remember all of us gathering, you know, I got a, a lot of big family, and we would watch uh, uh, pay-per-view boxing bouts, 
Yeah? We were gathered together. I remember just being a kid in the living room. And I remember the last bouts, and there was a boxer by the name of Julia, Julio Cesar Chavez. And I was a kid. I remember the excitement. I remember that my family, my uncles, even my aunts were gathered. My older cousins were gathered, right? And um, we, will, we will be there. And I remember the excitement in the air. There was a, a boxing, and, and I remember him and how, how uh, exciting and how victorious my family would get when he would win, amen. And back in the day when boxing was boxing, I mean, it was boxing, you know. It was like showdown. It was gladiator. Like from the very beginning, they would just throw hooks. And, man, it was exciting. Even though I was a kid, I was like, whoa, man, I can't believe this is exciting. You know, it was exciting to watch boxing. And I remember, I remember those early years in the late 80s, early 90s, where, where this boxer, amen, he was a, 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 a known as a Mexican, uh, the Mexican champion. He was uh, competing, right, a multiple-time world champion, three weight divisions, and some would say he was the best in his time. At his prime, he was considered the best by Ringside Magazine. Looking back, he would fight multiple times a year. He had a straight streak of 90 straight wins with 75% KOs. I remember one particular fight. It was, I believe, March 19, 1990, a Saturday night where Chavez faced Meldrick Taylor, both undefeated champions. They called it the fight of the century. Thunder meets lightning. That's how, that's how they had it. Thunder meets lightning. And, man, I remember we were watching it. All family was right there. Man, it was Saturday night. We're, we're, it was in. And, man, they would tell you uh, Taylor was just whooping on, on Chavez, man. He was, like, having some good combinations. And for the first time, I was like, man, Chavez is going to lose this fight. He's going to lose this fight. It was bad. They were going back to back all the way to the 12th round. But the last five seconds... Chavez got up with a good combination, and Taylor went down, and oh my God, I can remember. Man, my uncle picked me up, and he's like, yeah, everyone, it was a KO, Chavez won the fight. But I remember something special, and my uncle, you know, I, I smelled the alcohol, he was all buzzed, you know, and he's all, mijo. He's all, in other words, he said, this is who we are, somos campeones, and he said, we are champions. Looking back, coming from, you know, first one board here, you know, I had, uh, my family came from this country for a better life. I had aunts that would pick strawberries. I had uncles that would work cutting yards and working constructions and working restaurants. Most of them worked two jobs. But I remember the pride. I remember how excited they were because Chavez represented our Mexican heritage, that they were proud of who they were. I remember, and that stuck with me. He said, mijo, somos campeones. He said, son, we are champions. As we look at today's scripture, Paul the apostle is writing to Timothy, and he's writing to, right before, right, he's coming to the end of his life, and he's pouring his life into Timothy, and he writes in this passage, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. So Paul the apostle, when God called him, we know that he, 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 he knew the struggle. He knew the pain. He knew how to fight 
in the spirit the fight to keep the faith. The fight to stay true to Jesus. The fight to keep, to pick up our cross. The fight that all of us Christians face every day. See, we have opponents. This passage is known, right? Paul did great things. He planted churches. He preached the gospel in the known worlds. But it didn't come without a fight, a faith fight. Paul certainly knew something about hard times, yet he did not quit. He did not throw in the towel. Even though he felt like throwing in the towel, even he felt like quitting, he felt like giving up, but he did not give up. He fought. He kept the faith. He finished strong. He fought. The fighting for the faith. As he's coming close to his life, he's pouring himself out to his young disciple, Timothy. He says, endure hardship like a good soldier. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, the final charge to Timothy says, in, in, in verse 12, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life, which you were called to when you made your good confession of Jesus Christ in the presence of many witnesses. See, this morning, the, the, I'm here to tell you that Christianity ain't for the weak. I'm here to tell you that Christianity can be a fight. I'm here to tell you that picking up, nobody can just pick up their cross. It takes a special man, a special woman that has a fight in their heart to do what is right, to stand up for God. I'm here to tell you that this walk, it's a sobering passage that reminds us when we read that I have fought the good fight, I have finished strong. It's a sobering passage that reminds us that the Christian life is a struggle against the forces of evil. That there's a real enemy after our soul. There's a real devil after our soul. That there's sin that abides within our body that desires us to rule within the chambers of our body. That are contrary to the things of God. The, the flesh is contrary to the things of God. So we fight the enemy. We fight the flesh. And then there's a pool of the world that wants to pull this generation, pull men and women, pull them out of the perfect plan of God. So Paul the Apostle is using this analogy as a boxer, right, as a gladiator. And he's telling to Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. I have finished strong, Timothy. When it comes to the call of God, it comes at a price. The call of God comes at a price that we must pay. I wish I would tell you, I wish I could tell you as a, as a minister, man, just give your life to Jesus and Dario, everything's going to be smooth sailing, brother. Don't worry. Jesus has the wheel. Right? I wish I could tell 
Andrew, Andrew, just give your life to Jesus, brother, and you won't have to worry about it. Nothing, man. That's it. You're, you're, you're good. Jesse, come on. But the truth of the reality is that there's a price to pay if we're going to fulfill everything that God has for us as a believer, as a church. There's a price to pay. There's a fight to fight for us to step into for us to get the breakthrough, for us to attain everything that the Lord has for us, there has to be a fight. From the beginning of Scripture, we see that God's characteristics, he has warlike characteristics. He, he's a fighter. God is a warrior. He's our strength. Right? He goes before us. From the beginning, when God called Abraham and turned his name to Abraham, there was a fight that took place to Abraham to attain that promise. A physical fight. In the Old Testament, it was a physical, sword-to-sword, hand-to-hand combat. Joshua, when called by God. Moses, when called by God. My servant is dead, now therefore go to this Jordan and tell this people to occupy the land. But there was a fight. They had to literally fight the enemy. Gideon. The judges, Nehemiah, and the list goes on. They had a fight for their families. They had a fight for the promises of God. They had a fight to occupy the promised land. And how many know in the fight it takes courage? It takes valor. There's a struggle, right? There's, I don't know about you, but I remember, man, I used to get picked on in middle school. It was just like, all right, cool. But then, you know, I got cousins that trained me. And I was tired. I remember walking in, there was this one guy that always messed with me. And I was one, I was tired. One day I was like, you know what? I'm tired of this, man. I'm tired of going to school and tripping on this guy. I'm going to just let him have it, man. And I'm just letting him have it. I remember that day came, and he was like, hey, you know, Woody from Toy Story, what's up? And I was just like, big. He used to call me that. Woody from Toy Story. That's back, back in Toy Story. But the movie came out, it was popular, man. And I was just like, I'm going I'm to, and I remember I overcame my fear. I overcame, I was like, man, and I remember I just went at it, and he was surprised. I was like, boom, boom, boom. Man, he never messed with me again. He never messed with me again. It felt good going to school. It felt good getting ready. Like, man, man he's not going to mess with me. I got early. I went to school early. I was walking in that yard. I was like, yeah. I was in lunch to get my bagel. I was like, yeah, where's that guy at, huh? There was a fight. Israel as a nation were called to fight a physical battle for their breakthroughs, for the promised land, for them to step into everything that the God had called them to do. And the list goes on of men and women of faith, right? They had to fight for what God said, fight for what God had for them, for what God promised them. During the Old Testament times, people had to physically fight, but when Jesus came in the scene, He changed the fighting status from a physical fight to a spiritual fight. Now a person is to love his physical enemy and do good to them. The fight now is a spiritual fight. Every believer in Jesus must fight against spiritual forces that are in this world. Right? And we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about what contend, the contenders that rise up for our faith. The enemies that rise up, those who go in the ring with us to, to take our faith, to take our love, 
to strip us from our beliefs, to strip us and to beat us back into the place of slavery, into a place of bondage. See, my friend, the fight is not against your brother. It's not against your sister. It's not against your boss. Come on, even though we feel like it sometimes. It's not against, right? Sometimes like, man. God was sovereign. He'll put us in places, man. I, can, I wish I could just tell that person, I'm saved, but I'm still gangster. You know, victory outreach. <laughs> right? I'm saved, brother, but man, you mess with me. But we're not called to fight a physical. Maybe God wants to humble us. Maybe God wants to, you know, I'm going to take the high road. I'm going to pick up my car. I'm going to zip. Right? Well, that's a different sermon. The fight is for our faith. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take every, every thought and make it obedient to Christ. See here this morning, we must know our opponent. We must know the contenders. We must know in order for us to fight, we must know our enemy. The, the devil's biggest Biggest, biggest scheme is, man, believing that, man, there is no God. Therefore, there is no devil. And, man, the devil is like, man, you know what? He's happy. He's happy. But here this morning, I want to let you know that there's a real enemy searching to destroy our lives. The Bible says that he comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Huh? He comes and he's real. He's a real adversary. He's like a roaring lion searching who may he devour Right, and Paul says we must, we must not be ignorant of his devices. And let me tell you, you know, the way the enemy can come in, the way the enemy can come in, sometimes God will use a trial in life to strengthen us. That trial that God raised up in our life is meant for us to draw closer to God. But sometimes when trials come our way, how many know the devil is right there? The devil is right there. He's studying us. He knows our weakness. He knows right how to push our button. But difficult times come. In church, they will come. The Bible says, Jesus says, I have told you this thing so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart for I have overcome the world. See, in our walk with God, in the middle of the trial, the enemy can come in. Ah, oh, if God loves you, then why are you? If God's real, then why are you? Man, if God's so good, then why are you in this circumstance? And we get tempted to, right, that's the objective of the enemy. For us to be like, man, God's not good. For us to be like, man, I'm, I'm better off doing my own thing. I'm better off not going to church. I'm going to just take a second shift and work. Oh, come on. Did I just say that? I'm better off working on Wednesdays, double shifts, man. I'm good. I, can, I, I got this. But the enemy's a liar. 
The enemy is a liar. He's the father of all lies. So if we uh, this morning can, if we this morning can identify that the devil's a liar, that the devil's out to kill, steal, and destroy us, then we know how to combat him, right? We know how to combat him. The Bible says that a parable that Jesus taught about the sower, right? He teaches that there was a farmer that he sowed seed, and he was teaching about a principle of the kingdom of God. The Bible says that in this parable, Jesus teaches that the seed is the word of God and it's sown into someone's heart. And immediately the Satan comes to take it away. That was sown in a person's heart. He takes it away. He does not want us to step into what God has for us. He does not want us to grow in the things of God. There's things that we battle from generation to generation to generation that can't, the sin, the curse that falls upon us. I remember my, my dad was a drug addict and he was a, you know, and then I remember I had that revelation. I was like, man, I'm just like my father. I'm in and out of jail. I was stuck on drugs and I was like, man. You know, the enemy has a plan. But I got good news here for you this morning that Jesus has a plan for our lives as well. We may not be where we want to be, but thank God we're not where we used to be. I want to encourage you to, today that if you keep walking with Jesus. Jesus is good. God is a good God. God is a good God. If you're here this morning, God is a good God. Another opponent, right, that rises up and contends with our faith is sin. Oh, come on. Guys, I'm just the messenger here this morning. Sin separates us from God. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, throw off everything that hinders in the sin that so easily entangles and let us run this race with perseverance fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith let's talk about this this morning how many know that sin can kill our spiritual man when we accept Jesus and you know we're born again and that his nature comes upon us how many know all of, all of a sudden we feel conviction I remember as an early Christian, man, I was in love with God. I was on fire for G. I I'll do everything for Jesus, man. Uh, they're like clean, vacuum. I was vacuuming for G. I'm vacuuming for Jesus, man. This is the day. This is it. I was on fire. I remember just giving my life to Jesus. I was like in cloud nine. But I remember one time for the smallest little thing, conviction would come upon me. I was like, oh, my God. I cussed in my mind. Oh, Lord, forgive me. I remember conviction would come, which is a good thing. But sin can creep up on the life of the believer and can bring guilt. It can bring shame. It can bring regret. It can bring fear. Sin that goes unchecked can bring spiritual death. And we can become a victim instead of a victor. Because we got the victory. As Christians, man, the Bible says that Jesus died upon the cross and he disarmed the enemy. Yeah. 
He took the keys of death. Death has no sting. Man, we're walking with God. We got fire insurance. We're going to heaven, shouting victory. We got the victory. We fight from victory. And I'll get that. I'm going to get that. I'm going to get there. But, man, we, we fight from victory. We're champions. We're more than conquerors, Papa said. We're more than conquerors. But sin unchecked can bring death. Can, can, we can become victims instead of victors. What about the sin of unbelief? Huh? That's tied into the spirit of religion. What about the sin of anger, of unforgiveness? What about when we get hurt and we hold on to those hurts? Instead of giving them to God and getting healed, we carry, sometimes we carry, we carry the pain. We, we just choose to carry unforgiveness. We choose to carry these things that hinder us from living the victorious life. We, we choose to hold on to the pain, hold on to unforgiveness. I remember, man, what you said that day. I remember how I felt. I, I, we get historical. Man, I'm not going to talk to that person. I'm, I'm going to talk to my cousin. Oh, no, they embarrassed me. Oh, no, okay. I, I'll see. They'll remember me. We ghost them. Am I in the right place or am I in the wrong place? Yeah. But as Christians, we're called to forgive. We're called to let go and take the high road. Jesus said, man, if I forgave you, forgive. And you shall be forgiven. But we choose to hold on to, to unforgiveness. We choose to hold on, and sometimes the sin of unbelief, and God, God can't. 